morning. It is good to be with you today. My name is Jeff Long. I serve as the lead pastor here at Parkwood. Uh, this morning we'll be sharing in his word, God's word from Galatians chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 6 today. Uh, next Sunday we'll start in verse 11 and we'll complete our study of the, the epistle uh, to the Galatians. At the conclusion of next week's service, we'll be sharing the Lord's Supper together as a part of our uh, celebration and receiving from what God has taught us in this series from Galatians that there is no other gospel. Today, our subject is sowing and reaping for the good of one another, uh, coming from chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. So I'd invite you, if you would, to stand for the reading of God's word. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Lord, we ask now that as we take up your word, that we would recognize this is the word of God. It is what you have spoken to us. It is unchanging. So open our eyes to see your word and bring right application, Holy Spirit, to our hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you work through the text, you see in verse 6, share all good things. Verse 9, doing good. Verse 10, do good to everyone. Therefore, the subject is that followers of Christ are called to do good to one another. It's the main thrust of the text. So we are his church. Those who trust Christ as Lord and Savior and unite together here in a local expression called the local church are a part of what is wider the church universal. We are his church and we are called to function as his church realizing that we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow all the time, every time. This statement gets thrown around our culture quite a bit. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. I want to redefine it for you today in the context of biblical Christianity. Insanity is doing what we please and expecting Christ-centered results. Insanity is doing what we please and expecting Christ-centered results. That statement comes from the principle of sowing and reaping. It's found here in this text as it is in multiple locations of the scripture. Verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. <clears throat> quote you cannot outwit God the crop you plant in the soil in the spring will inevitably sprout forth into the harvest of the fall 
God will not be outwitted. He will not be fooled. He is not mocked. This principle of sowing and reaping sums up all of life. But as you look in this text, the word sowing and reaping in the context surrounding it refer especially to, but not exclusively, especially to generosity and giving. So the two terms are used to refer to generous giving and the sowing and reaping in reference to the final judgment, which is to come. We find this principle in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, just a few pages to your left. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, we find these words. The point is this. I love it when the Bible does that. When you're having trouble understanding, is the Bible clear? It's very clear right here. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So here's the principle here. It's not just the sowing and reaping principle. It's a very particular application to it. If you sow a little bit, you reap a little bit. If you sow bountifully, if you sow a lot, then you reap a lot. Now I'm going to be honest about myself here for a few minutes and I'll let you decide whether you include yourself. I think you probably will. The two things that I've whined about the most in my life is the lack of time and money. You've never done that, have you? Lack of time and money. But here's the truth about Jeff Long. I always seem to find the time and the money for what matters to me. I dare say you do as well. That you'll reprioritize and reorganize your life and resources to do what matters to you. Verse eight, with that in mind, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Brothers and sisters, we only have two fields in which to sow, the field of our flesh or the field of the spirit. The evidence of which field we sow in is the outcome of the crop that we receive. So if we sow in the flesh, meaning that we use our time and our resources for our own advantage in accord with our own selfish desires, then we're going to reap corruption. This begs the question early on in this message. How am I stewarding what I've been trusted with? How am I stewarding my time and my resources? If I'm sowing to my flesh, that means I'm pandering to my flesh. I'm giving into it. I coddle it. When Galatians clearly teaches this for the Christian, we're to crucify it, not coddle it. So if I am sowing to the flesh as a believer, by the way, if you're a non-believer, you are sowing to your flesh. It's not maybe, you are. But for the Christian, if you are sowing to the flesh, that means you're letting the old nature have its way. We are to sow to the spirit. We are to allow the spirit to have his way. We are to yield to the spirit. Go back to Galatians chapter five, verse 16. This is still influencing where you're at in chapter six. 
But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now let's consider this idea of reaping. Reaping here is something that's future. It's a a focus toward what is to come. Now, in a true sense, it is to what is to come in this life. You reap in this life, you sow in this life, but it's much bigger than that. It's much broader. It's, it's, It's a reaping that is coming in the future as we stand before God. So let's think about these two terms. So to the flesh, you reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you reap eternal life. So corruption and eternal life. We need to understand both of these terms in a double sense, quantitatively and qualitatively. You say, what do you mean? Quantitatively, amount. Both corruption and life everlasting or eternal life are alike. They both are forever. Qualitatively, or the substance of it, the the quality of it, When we think about them qualitatively, there's a stark difference. Listen. Those who sow to the flesh will awaken unto shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel chapter 12. The worm will never die and the fire will never be quenched. Mark chapter 9. Their dwelling will be outside of the banquet hall of God, Matthew chapter eight. On the other hand, those who have sown to the spirit will bear the image of the heavenly, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and physically they will be conformed to the body of Christ's glory. They will be like Christ, for they will see him as he is. So what's the Bible teaching here? At first glance, it appears contrary to the rest of Galatians, but it's not. So track with me. Here's what the Bible's teaching. That good works are necessary in the final reward. Here's the difference. The good works are not for earning the final reward. Good works are evidence for the receiving of the final reward. You say, what's the difference? What does that mean? It means that the spirit who resides in the Christian will produce good works unto God. There will be evidence that you have sown to the spirit if in fact you are a follower of Christ. So the remaining portion of this text has a very specific application. I told you this principle of sowing reaping is in multiple places in the scripture. Paul here draws this big principle to a very particular series of applications that have to do with life in the local church. First, sowing and reaping for the good of those who teach the word. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Sidebar, Paul's button. If you're a non-Christian, I'm shuddering for you right now because here's what you're doing. I cannot believe I showed up at church and this preacher is going to talk about me giving monies for him. Hear me out because I need to teach what the Bible teaches. So listen to me all the way through before you make up your mind. The one who is tall to share all good things, all good things is what is necessary to live on. The Bible teaches this in multiple locations. If you got your Bible and you want to turn with me, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's back to your left. 
chapter 9, verse 14, says, In the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. That those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Now let's turn to second, or excuse me, first Timothy chapter five. That's back now to your right toward the end of your Bible. If you got to Hebrews, you went too far. First Corinthians chapter, first Timothy chapter five, verse 17. Let the elders, the Bible uses elders and pastors interchangeably. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. Now, when you take these texts, Galatians 6, 6, 1 Corinthians 9, 14, 1 Timothy 5, 17, there are others. I'm not going to keep going to those. Paul is not merely considered with, the, with you paying the preacher. The burden in the context is that we further the gospel. God knew that his ordained means for accomplishing the steady proclamation of the word of God by faithful men of God means that the people of God have got to support them. So you reap what you sow. And I think this is pretty evident of what's going on in the Christian landscape of the United States. <laughs> the people who are preaching make me rich are reaping what they sow. But on the contrary, because these preachers are out there preaching make me rich and so many people in delusion are falling into their trap and given to make them rich, sadly, the people outside of those churches are holding back from the very people they ought to be supporting so that the gospel could go forth. You see, Christian teaching is not a service to be paid for. It is a part of the rich fellowship and the mutual sharing of the gifts of God. When you support somebody like me, here's what I hear. Pastor, we want you to faithfully and effectively teach the word. And because of that, we support you. Now, let me just have a little sidebar for a moment. Um, you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain. The laborer deserves his wages. There are people who are called to ministry who don't do squat. I've met these people. They play golf and drink coffee and run their mouth all day and pretend they're doing something. You're not obligated to support those people. A laborer is, deserves his wages. Those in the ministry ought to be some of the hardest workers you know. They ought to give themselves faithfully to the labor of God. But here's what you gotta watch on your side. You can't let the pastors around you kill themselves and you can't expect them to. It's the tension of the local church, of how we function and work together. Next, 
sowing and reaping for the good of everyone. So as a local church, we have a responsibility to the community around us. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Paul picks up this same idea in Colossians and explains it a little more detail in verse five of chapter four, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, those outside of the church, making the best use of the time or the best use of every opportunity. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So as we're doing good to others, to those who are outside, we're making the best use of our time, it's going to give us opportunity to open our mouths for the sake of the gospel. This is an email I, re- I received from a waitress at IHOP. I recently moved to Clover with my 14-year-old son from South Florida. I feel compelled to tell you about a couple that belong to your church. Now, at this point, I was kind of panicking. I had the utmost pleasure of waiting on them at IHOP in Gastonia today. In 23 years of working working in the restaurant industry, I have never come across such sincere and warm-hearted individuals as I did today with this beautiful couple. I don't know what it was initially that made me talk to them about my move and the needs for my son, but it became clear through our conversing that they understood where I was coming from. They truly touched my heart. They effortlessly invited us to your church with open arms. I was overwhelmed with emotions and fought back tears as I walked back away from their table. As I was driving home from my shift, I broke down in tears. They truly touched me. I am truly thankful to have met them as they are a very special couple. Now get this next sentence. This goes to say that this congregation must be filled with unconditional love and brotherly fellowship to have such people as I met today. Now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You get the connection because of how these two people treated her, she's drawn an assumption about us. That's powerful. Now let me ask you, how have you treated the waiter this week? How have you responded to your neighbor? How have you spoken to the umpire at your kid's ball game? because I'm sorry, I'm going to use a negative illustration now. I had an umpire tell me 15 years ago, I'll never go to Parkwood. Ever. I know your people. Here's what the Bible says, brothers and sisters. You ready? You reap what you sow. And if we're sowing in the spirit in this community, we're going to reap the spirit. And if we're sowing in our flesh, we're going to reap the flesh. There's a third application. Sowing and reaping for the good of those in the household of faith. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what does it mean to do good? The immediate context, again, is financial assistance. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, doing good comes up again, and it's in the context of financially assisting people. Those who have a legitimate need in the life of our church, we are obligated as the people of God to help one another. What did I just say? Obligated. It's not optional. We are obligated to one another. Now there's an obligation that we all have at the point in need in our life. The question has to be asked, am I in need because my need is legitimate of the crisis of my life or, or am I in need because I'm slack? The Bible addresses that too in 1 Thessalonians 3. And it says, if a man won't work, don't let him eat. So we hold this tension as a church. We run to the people who are in need and we hold accountable those who are lazy. Guess what? Both will be in a church. It's part of doing life together. It's helping one another. It's discipling this lazy brother or sister to get on with it. And it's coming to the side of this brother or sister who's in need. Now this fits Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. That we're to come alongside each other in our most needy times of life and to help each other. But I'm gonna tell you something. It's easy for me to give you some money. A little bit harder, but it's easy for me to bring you a meal. It's a whole nother thing for me to get in your life and to help you work through the grief of the loss of a spouse. To help you work through the difficulty of a wayward child to bear that burden with you as brothers and sisters in Christ. But the Bible says, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The word do good quite literally means beneficial labor in this text. Beneficial labor, helpful labor. Man, as soon as I saw that, my mind went to Colossians. Turn with me to Colossians 1. This text is what we have formed the big portion of our purpose statement as a church around. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. The laboring together for the growth of all believers comes from this text. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Notice the we. This is something we collectively do together. This is discipleship. This is making disciples according to Matthew 28. Then in verse 29, he says, this is what it's gonna require of me. This is what it's gonna require of you. For this I toil, I labor, struggling with all his energy that powerfully works within me. So I can't do this work without the spirit in me. Now notice, when I sow in the spirit, the labor that God, the power that God puts in me, when I labor in the spirit, then I reap in the spirit. So certainly if I'm toiling by the power that works in me, then I'm going to reap what God has given. So the word labor here requires active involvement. And when I actively get involved, I'm gonna struggle with weariness. Now here's what our culture's saying right now. You don't have to agree with me out loud, but I don't know. Our culture says, if it makes you tired and it's hard, then stop. Find an easier way to do it. Find a quicker way to do it. Better yet, find somebody else to do it. 
Here's the so what today. Don't miss this. Do not miss this. Am I persevering in sowing and reaping? Watch how Paul brings this home. Let us not grow weary in, of doing good for in due season we will reap if, if we do not give up. brother in our church was involved in a motorcycle accident and lost his legs he walked out of here this morning walked he walked by me and I said out loud I couldn't resist it everybody pouring out of 930 right there's don't give up everybody watch it we will reap if we don't give up, let's that brother to never walked again if he'd give up. Doing good or well-doing, literally now in this text, it doesn't say what it said above a beneficial labor. Here's what it says, labor that's beautiful. Don't, don't go weary of doing what's beautiful. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So well-doing requires continued effort, constant toil, but human nature says, I'd rather have ease. It lacks staying power and human nature quickly and easily gets discouraged. And to that, God says, let us not grow weary. Let's not lose heart. This is a quote. Such a life, the Christian life, demands a tremendous number of sacrifices. You bind your heart up emotionally to people who are unstable, so you experience distress that you could have avoided. You cut yourself off from so many options that you could have if it weren't that you were involved in ministry relationships. You have less money in your pocket since you're giving generously to individuals and ministries and causes. In other words, living the Christian life, it costs you something. But to that, God says, don't grow weary. Now I want to break this down into three areas of not growing weary and make a very practical application in each. First, the sacrificial giving of our resources, of our money. So let me say to you, if you're a guest, I need to talk to the members of Parkwood for a few minutes, okay? I know that in some ways this is gonna reinforce everything, particularly if you've not been in church in a while, this is gonna reinforce, reinforce every idea you have. If you go to church, this is always gonna happen. This does not happen often, what I'm gonna say. First, I've served here 25 years and I am astounded at the generous sacrificial giving that I have witnessed through this local church. I rebuke any statement that Parkwood gives a lot because it's wealthy. I know you people. There are a few wealthy people who go here, but they're rare. Most of us are just average folk earning an average living. 
And what I've witnessed here is a tremendous generosity that has blessed the lives of those called of God. And it has blessed and invested in the kingdom of God in ways that we will not know until we stand before God. Our budget reflects our purpose. There's no spending on ourselves. It is all to hold up going with the gospel and laboring together for the growth of all believers and all to the glory of God. As a result of our giving over the last several years and a result of what we need to do ministry together, we set a budget last year that required a weekly gift of $74,830. From October to December, Parkwood gave $82,000 a week. Praise God. Then January came. January is always difficult in the life of a church. That's one of the reasons we shifted our budget year from October instead of January 1st. Here's what you need to know. Now, this is disturbing. For the first seven weeks of the year, from January 1st until last Sunday, we have averaged giving $62,800. You say, well, pastor, it's always low during that period of time. So we went back and compared to last year. Last year for the same seven weeks, we averaged $70,500. So not only, brothers and sisters, are we $12,000 behind, we are $7,000 behind from where we were a year ago. This cannot continue and maintain the budget we have. So we ask the question, what's wrong? What is happening? So we can analyze giving without looking at your names. We can just plug in who's giving. We can make it go from greatest gift to smallest gift. We can break it down by ages with the computer. Here's what we're fi- we found. We found sporadic, inconsistent giving, which has not been the pattern of this church in the past. We found lots of small gifts that are not indicative of people earning a living. We found that people under 50 have no pattern to their giving at all. You go above 50, they give weekly or biweekly. You go below 50, there's no pattern. It's just all over the map. It's hit and miss. It's all over the place. So what's the bottom line for me? This happened in 2008. Does anybody remember what happened in 2008? The Great Recession. We understood it. We cut the budget massively. We understood that it was hitting you and it certainly ought to hit us. Now here's the point of confusion. (laughs) You're living in the most prosperous time in Gaston County since I've lived here. People have never made the living you're making right now. This makes no sense, none. So what are you saying preacher? Here's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm saying that uh, we have sat down and we've already worked it out And in 30 days, if this doesn't change, there will be a massive reduction of our budget. Massive. Now, brothers and sisters, 
Uh, I'm not trying to shame you in anything. You do what God leads you to do. You do what God has burdened you to do. But here's what I want to tell you. Here's the principle, and I don't mean this mean or anything. Parkwood, you're going to reap what you sow. We're going to reap financially what we sow financially. And hear me, two weeks of big offerings aren't going to solve a thing. We need consistent, regular giving for us to function as a church. Second, the sacrificial giving of yourself in this community. Are you consciously thinking, how can I make the most of my opportunities with those outside the faith? Praise God for this couple going in IHOP, we're thinking like Christians. They were thinking, I'm gonna treat this waitress like I'm a believer. Are you consciously thinking that wherever you go and in whatever you do? Third, the sacrificial giving among your brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the years that we have shouldered the work of ministry together. God is blessing the work of this church. You couldn't find a seat in the last service. Praise God for that. It's evidence that people are joining together and God is blessing our work. But brothers and sisters, let us not grow weary. Why? Because in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So let's just be honest here. Can I just lay it out here for a minute? Ministry is hard. Preschool is hard. Working with kids on Sundays and Wednesday nights, hard. Working in student ministry, double hard. Hosting a growth group in your home, hard. Shouldering the responsibility of preparing and teaching a growth group, hard. But you hear me, do not give up. For in due season, we will reap. One of the greatest frustrations of believers involved in the ministry of the local church, one of the reasons that we grow weary in our well-doing is because we lack the ability to calculate the spiritual outcome of our fruitful labor and our work in the Lord. So before you call somebody in leadership and quit what you're doing, consider sowing and reaping. What are you trading your time for? There are many wonderful opportunities to plug into, but if you are a member of a local church, your primary ministry should be through the local church, not outside of it. And let me say, if you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, the Bible teaches that you should plug into the life of a local church. Your labor in and through the church should involve laboring for the growth of all believers and going with the gospel to all peoples. We serve a sovereign God who has promised that his word will not return void. The ultimate harvest is assured and it will only come at the proper time. That is God's time. Now I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1. 
Sorry, can I give you an illustration? I've had four people say, man, pastor, last week's sermon was great. Hear this end. Please. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to prepare you for eternity. I'm not here to get your money. I'm here to prepare you for the day. The day. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. In other words, I don't know if this sermon's any good or not. I don't know. Here's what I do know, though. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I know some of the things I said today were very dangerous talking about money. And some of you could go home and get in the car and say, that preacher just wanted more money. He's looking for more money. I know that's what he wants. No, you don't know what I wanted. But here's what I can promise you. There's a day coming when what I wanted today is going to be obvious because God's going to judge me. And let me just throw it back to you. There's a day coming when the thoughts of intentions of your heart are going to be made clear because God is going to judge you. You reap what you sow. Here's what insanity is. Insanity is doing as you please. Then on that day, expecting Christ-centered results. If that's what you do, they're not coming. It is only through Christ alone that are we redeemed. And it is only through Christ alone does anything good come out of my life. But if Christ has redeemed me, get this, here's the principle of scripture. If Christ has redeemed me, he's in me. And if he's in me, he's coming out of me. I will sow to the Spirit, and so will you. Let's pray. Lord, at this moment, there are men and women who need to cry out for salvation, who need to confess that they are ruled and reigned by their sin. The fact that they are for themselves is obvious. Bring them to repentance, and may they look to Christ, who has accomplished what they never could on their behalf, their salvation through the cross and through the resurrection. And, oh God, you have accomplished our glorification, our ultimate salvation, that through Christ and through what you have produced in us and will produce in us, we will stand before you on that day and we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, that through Christ alone.
Lord Jesus, motivate your people. Do what only you can do. Encourage the weary saints. Help us to see what is coming. Keep us from growing weary, we pray. In Jesus' name.